1: Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Ghost Chronicles International, right here on Tojanet Pararex, Ghost Chain on Beyond. I am the most humble Ben Holsey. With me, my co-host, all the way from the land of the Red Dragon, Mr. Parascience himself, the great, late Steve Parsons.
0: I'm never late. Ah, whatever. Well, at least I'm not knowingly late. Anyway, good afternoon, Ron. How are you? I hear you've been to the gymnasium. I did. I did. I'm tired and cranky. And hopefully you've showered this week. No, I have not. Oh. Anyway, we can gloss over that because it's radio. Okay. So what, what have you been up to this, this week on then?
1: Uh, you know, very busy, very busy as usual. You always went away to a windswept island
0: with a haunted lighthouse, you know, the usual stuff. Well, go on then, tell us more. I saw some of the pictures, but I don't know the details. It looked looked pretty good. It's a really
1: cool uh, lighthouse. It's on a small island called Goat Island. And during the the War of Independence, uh, a small force of Americans uh, with two cannon uh, repelled an invasion attempt by two British warships bearing 18 guns and over 150 men. And they lost 17, and we did lose one captain, so... Once again, we kicked your bloody
0: ass. Well, <clears throat> good for you. I'm, I'm sure you're all delighted and pleased. I am. I am.
1: So I went and, of course, uh, we, we raised the American flag right there. It, it, the interesting thing about um, Goat Island is it's right across from the uh, bush compound, which
0: is kind of cool, too uh you're gonna to have to run explain that one the bush compound
1: right Pres- presidential uh president herbert walker bush
0: oh uh not not gw the guy who started the iraq war no no the okay. one that cleaned
1: up the iraqis yeah no no it was the first one that went in and uh straightened that mess out
0: Ah, right. okay so but, well, that's all nice had, and clear so,
1: he had so much fun doing it his son said he'd try it too so that's how that happened
0: yeah, I saw the photographs. It looked pretty. Uh, it looked a pretty amazing place. It is. It's it's really cool, actually,
1: and uh, uh, it's interestingly, it's haunted by a new spirit or a recent spirit because I took out my Ghost Meter Pro and it told me it was a. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, there you go. The show just went rapidly downhill. Well, hey, we said I didn't put any art pictures on
1: my sites, you
0: know. Um, oh, listen! Uh, this this goat, goat island. Um, yeah. so, so so next September, you uh, you going to let me go on and haul the uh, union flag back up?
1: No, no, because it's uh, it's it's a very private location. Uh,
0: they don't allow any uh, strangers, five fellows here. What? Not even if we turn it with two gunboats and one hundred and seventy marines? No, it won't work.
1: Anyways, uh, yeah, we have a guest. We have a guest, and uh, he's a pretty smart guy, according to you. And um, I I believe he he believes in arms, right?
0: Uh, I'm going to let him answer that question. But you're absolutely right, because all the guests I select for the show are um, the cream of the crop. So uh, from Midlands Paranormal Investigations, uh, based up in Birmingham, England, not Birmingham, Alabama, or the numerous of the copycat Birminghams around the world. Uh, good evening, Mark Cave. Hi, Steve. Hi, Ron. Well, I
1: thought we lost him after all that ridiculous banter we had.
0: <laughs> no, he's, no. Th- he's stuck with us. <laughs> so, Mark, tell us, Tell us. Uh, would you like to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about MPI? Your first, first yeah. your website. Make yeah. sure you get your website out there, Mark.
2: Yeah, the website um, straight away is um, www.midlandparanormal.org.uk. And like I say, basically, I got interested in this sort of like field. It was my aunt who got me interested. And it was more or less, in, it wasn't from childhood. It was sort of like later in life. And I heard her talking about people's experiences. And I thought, hmm, you know, what, what's, what is all this about? And um, I actually met Steve. We actually went. uh, I don't know if you remember this, Steve. In two thousand and three, we went to that sort of like there was a conference sort of thing on in Nottingham.
0: Yeah, uh, what was it? Ghost Ghost Con. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, I think we both turned. That's right. (laughs) I think we both turned around. We
2: felt a bit conned afterwards.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it was. It was all con and no ghost, wasn't it? If I remember rightly, (laughs) it was hosted by hosted by Jason Carl. That's correct. It was. It was. And um, like name I say... I
2: so, sorry, what was that, Ron? There's a the name I recognized.
1: Jason Cole. Jason Cole. Yes. From Most yeah. Haunted.
0: Right. That's, we can That's... we can only apologize to the world for Jason Cole.
2: <laughs> That's correct. And like I say, I met Steve and, um, and I think and was we you at that time, Steve?
0: Um, oh, God, uh, that, that, that probably a long time ago. I was going to say I was, I, it was prob- probably so long ago. It was actually it counts as a former life, I think. Yeah, more or
2: less. I was going to say it was actually ten years Halloween because that's when it was held. It was actually held on a Halloween, if I remember right, that weekend.
0: I, I the only thing I really recall about that event is the appalling grand finale, the big séance at the end, uh, where. <laughs> I'd gone off outside for a cigarette break and had come back in and caught the medium who was running the event uh, or running the grand seance going through the bookings computer um, with all the names and addresses on it and then standing under a huge glass dome with about how many about 50 people all in a circle holding hands um, bathing ourselves in imaginary blue light and it started to rain. Um, and you could hear the rain hitting the, gra- the glass dome roof above us, at which point the medium said, listen, you can hear the energy crackling all about us.
2: Well, that was right. Actually, you're you bang on there, because if I remember right, I think both both me and you at the same time, we opened our eyes and looked at each other. and we just, uh, I don't know what it was. We had to turn away to stop ourselves from laughing, if I remember right. Uh, because-
0: Yeah, I I remember what happened shortly afterwards, where I got thrown out of the place for uh, for (laughs) commenting on the meat (laughs) visibility. That's
2: that's right. It was, it was, and and like I say, and like I say, that's when I first met you. And and if you remember, that's how MPI became came about because some of the guys that were actually with me that weekend. Wanted to find more, because obviously we, we were, in fact, we had our own thing going. If you remember, Steve, we actually stuck with you. That's right. And that's re- right. went round we'll back own,
0: That's right. We set up our own investigation, um, I think, up on the first floor somewhere, if, I, if memory serves. It was a very long time ago. But, um, as I say, I can only I can only apologise um, for uh, Jason Carl. Um, <laughs> And, and my comments directed at the medium that night, but then you know, she wanted to look at the booking computer. God bless her. So,
1: yeah. So, the. Um, Are you saying that Jason Carl so, is, is not a good paranormal investigator? Is that what you're in, in
0: seeing, Steve? No, I was simply apologizing uh, to the world for Jason Carl. Um, he's an excellent actor. Mm hmm. And he's done some great work on. Um, Oh, what's it called? One of these shopping channels. No, oh, bid up TV, wasn't it? Bid up dot TV. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I had the shock of my life missed... when I was
2: flicking through. <laughs> they
0: miss all. They miss all this in America. Uh, with their five hundred yeah. television channels. And, I, um... I'm going
1: to have to get Jason Cowan in, in the show to rebut all this.
0: Uh... <laughs> well, that'll be an interesting show. Hmm. He could, he could, he could even end up selling some, uh, selling some decorating. Because yeah, last time I saw him, he's selling paint paint rollers on a shopping channel. Oh, that's good. Yeah. So there you go. So that's what happens when your TV, when your most haunted television career finishes. Um, presumably, you're often uh, you're often that desperate to get back on television that uh, you'll end up doing anything. Sounds like it, Steve, does not it?
2: I mean, apart uh, apart from, I know you appeared on there, but you're, this yours was a different different situation. No no no, 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 no,
0: I was only a stunt double. I was a. It was oh, That's I right. Was yeah. te- can you, can I was a stunt double. <laughs> so, yeah, I was only a temporary aberration on people's television screens. Um, and once the medication started to work again, it was it was fine, and uh, and, uh, you know, you know. I saw the design. There light is
1: light. evidence of you on the show, so that I mean, you can. As much I'm not, as much as, I'm not it, as much as you try to downplay it. We know. We saw you on there, having a really good old time, chasing orbs around, listening to stones drop, and and watching the glass swirling, if not
0: participating. Yeah, yeah that was it. That was it. Uh, I I hold my hands up entirely. I was I was uh, present for, I think half a dozen shows. Um, but yeah. as I say, the medication—the medication—once it, it became effective, it was really. So, anyway, let's
1: let's talk with uh, Mark here. And, yeah. and enough about you, uh, Mark. You have a paranormal group. It's been together, I guess, for about ten years, is what I'm getting from the conversation here. Um, That's correct. Right. What, what? How do you? What do you consider you as your? Uh, what type of a paranormal group uh, are you really? What What is your? Your well, goal?
2: We you 're going to love this one. we did a lot of training with steve 's group Parascience, so mm-hmm. to be honest it, it, to be honest, it was the good best grounding we ever had to be fair because we we learned a lot from parascience and uh, you know the way they actually went about uh, investigating. I know Steve's probably cringing beyond the microphone <laughs> right now, but um, we did we, we learned quite a lot from parascience regards protocols and you know doing investigations properly and not you know and not sort of like and making sure you go and see what's occurring, don't just sit there and you know go, "Oh, what was that? Go and have a look, see what's going on. You know the proper way of doing it, which is basically trying to see if you can actually put some meat on the bones of what's happening. Is it explainable? All this came from Steve. Well, you know I spent a lot of time with Steve's group. Um, we went up to one of his meetings, and we, we sat there, and I sat there with a notebook and pen. And I'm not joking, my, but by, the end, by the end of the night, I couldn't I couldn't actually, I got RSI, I couldn't actually, I couldn't actually move my right hand at the end of the night, because of all the information I was trying to get down. And then they invited us to come along and see how they actually investigated. And like I say, Steve's group also did a lot of training with the, um, with the group called ASAP at that time, which is the Association for the Scientific Study of Anomalous Phenomena. Right. And, um, Steve's group actually did a lot of training for their investigators and we also went down and had some training off Steve um, because we were also members of uh, ASAP and to be honest it's kept us in good stead because all those notes even today with you know we actually adhere to what we have actually learned and it's actually kept us in good stead and kept us you know on, on the straight and narrow, so to speak, you know, we haven't actually jumped to conclusions or made ridiculous statements or anything like that. But, um, you know, I'm not saying nothing has happened, right. but, you know, we don't sort of like claim it's, you know, it's a ghost unless we got the proof, you know, we know something unexplained has happened, but whether we can explain it at that time. Well, you know, I, I, is th- another- I think that you,
1: Mark, you give way too much credence to um, parascience. I mean, because I mean, basically they just stole all that information from Harry Price anyways. So I mean, it's really uh, you know you give really too much credit to them.
0: Um, but actually, uh, can I just can I just uh, butt in here with a, a, a oh, kind if you, of If, because, you must, if well, you I'll 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 be absolutely honest. Um, yeah, uh, um, I, I'd kind of forgotten uh, that that input that uh, we we were done with Mark's group and ASAP. Um, and I don't want people to think that Mark has just been invited onto the show to blow smoke up my arse um, <laughs> and, 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 and to big up parascience because do you know what we, we, we constantly work and I know Mark's group does too and I, I so rarely revisit the archive material and, and look back through the old records um, and so I. It is starting to sound like the Parasites fan club tonight, and I think we should move move it forward and concentrate on MPI and what they've done since. Yeah, yeah, no problem. I was just giving a a
2: grounding in what you know how we came about. because obviously we wanted to learn.
0: Yeah. The, the correct the checks in the
2: post, and, by the way. Yeah, the checks in yeah, the post, thanks, by the way. Thanks, Steve. <laughs> but is it, that you t- know, t- it's
1: interesting, and, and I want to hit on this, and, and uh, I, I want to see if you agree with it. Steve just said he very seldom looks at the archives and, and the, the old information. I mean, why are you collecting it if you're not going to compare it to new results? I mean, I, I don't understand.
0: No, I meant our own historical uh, archive because, uh-huh. you know, Parascience has been kicking around for quite some time. Right. And we, we don't tend to go back. In fact, only this week we had uh, a series of emails backwards and forwards with uh, the Japanese TV company uh, who, whom, with whom we were filming the documentary in the summer and they wanted some video archive material and we realised we actually don't have it. Uh, we actually don't have a, an extensive archive of um, our media appearances because we tend to put out our results, uh, our investigation results, our academic research, whatever, and then we move on to the next project. Uh, We revisit case archive material uh, when, you know, we're cross-referencing between cases. But our own archive, we don't tend to revisit very often.
1: Hmm. So let's talk about Mark. I mean, uh, I'll I'll talk to you about that later. Um, Mark, I mean, uh, you said you you trained with parascience and and ASAP and – so, do you consider yourself a more of an academic based uh, ghost hunting group?
2: Yeah, I mean, I wish I was a- academic. To be fair, because obviously, you know, there are academics out there which I actually I use. I mean, there's um, there's a famous one over on in the USA called Lloyd Auerbach, and I speak to Lloyd um, via email quite quite often. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I actually take you know academia quite seriously and learn where I can you know somebody says oh you want to try this uh, as an experiment and here's the way to go about it then I will actually put that and bring that into the team and we'll actually test it during training because like Steve with his team we still have ongoing training just to make sure we keep up with all the techniques and making sure we're we're not missing anything critical when we're out on investigations
1: okay so I mean what, what is the goal of your group, I guess, I'm trying to get at? I mean, is, is it just to go out to investigate for the sake of investigating? Or, or, I mean, there, there must be some goals to be reached, or, or, or is well, it? I
2: can, yeah, there, there are goals out there. Obviously, you know, I mean, we get people who, uh, I mean, the, the mainstay of our goals at the moment are actually helping people who, who have had actual groups with, and in brackets, so-called mediums into their house, and they've claimed all sorts of things going on, you know, sorts of demon portals and all that in the household, that these families are actually coming to us now, you know, crying their eyes out and scared, petrified, scared that, you know, there's something going on in the house. And when I've, when I've actually looked into the crux of thing, you know, the crux of this um, actual claim, you know, I can't find any evidence of it. And I'm just saying, you know, and I have to get these families and, and sort of like deal with these families and calm them down and actually go and visit them and mm-hmm. say, look, there's nothing, there's nothing here. You know, if somebody's telling you, you know, it's auto-suggestion, you're going to think it is happening, what you've got to do is take that out of, out of, out of your mind and, and settle down in your own home and just take no notice of these people because obviously, you know, they're making all sorts of claims that you're actually believing. And nine times out of ten, Ron, um, unfortunately, it has to do with some of these television shows as well because half, half of the group's out there sort of like base themselves on TV shows and as soon as they walk in, everything's kicking off. You know, and, and this is what scares people into thinking, like, you know, um, because they've claimed that a medium or a psychic, that all of these things are actually evidence in the house. When, when you go there, there's nothing wrong with the house at all. You know, it's just basically all these groups that are not following proper protocol that are actually causing the problems out there. So our mainstay is to help those people. Of you know if we get a case like that 's to go in and get you know get them some help with with us going down and speaking to them and actually looking at what they 've been given and saying well where 's their proof and once they start looking at this, they realize then that these people haven 't got any such evidence whatsoever, so they start to relax and they feel more comfortable and in their in their home so you know it 's that psychological part of it, and I think that 's very important because once you get somebody that's really disturbed like that, it, it is, you know, you have to go and, go out and help them because obviously they've been sort of like duped into thinking something's going on when obviously it isn't.
1: So, so I, w- I it, guess, judging from your answer, that you're anti-medium and anti-psychic.
2: No, 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 no. Um, like I say, it's these, uh, what it is, is, it's the actual groups and the members actually claiming their psychic but they're not backing it up or they're not using the proper protocols as you know a, what, what they should do, and instead of you know looking at it properly um, is basically and, and using proper psychics if you know and trying to get proper results but without upsetting people, mm-hmm. that's where it all starts because they they're actually letting out all this information to the families there instead of actually you know instead of saying to the psychic like I would do is basically, if I was using the psychic for an investigation, for instance, I wouldn't you, actually tell you what I was... A
1: psych- do you use the psychic for investigation or a medium? Have yeah.
2: you? I've never... To be honest, I've never met one I've actually felt um, comfortable with, to be fair. Okay. I mean, because the information I've actually gathered by, by talking to them, it, it's sort of like I've actually asked them a couple of questions and, and the questions and the answers don't seem to seem to match. They sort of change their answers every so often, which... To be honest, I I want somebody I can trust, literally trust, and who is genuine. And it's very hard out there at the moment to actually work with, um, you know, find somebody you can actually feel comfortable with where, you know, they're not going to start telling people what's going on in their properties, because I've asked a few mediums and psychics about this, and they would, oh, yes, I'd let the person know. And I say, well, what about the psychological effect? Because you can't actually prove to them that it's actually happening. I said, and we're monitoring you. I said, so if we're monitoring you, they actually class us in the same realm as you. I said, so if you get everything wrong, I says, without proof, you're actually putting, you know, the fear of everything being let loose in their house, you know, demonic, you know, demonic spirits and whatever. I said, you know, you, you can't actually upset people. You know, you can't tell people that because, we want to see proof. We want to actually do it under control, you know, under a certain control condition if we can. Obviously, we can't if it's somebody's own, but there are certain uh, things you can actually put in place to actually test these theories. So, to be honest, I've never felt comfortable with any psychic medium I've actually met, Ron, to be fair. Hmm.
1: So, I mean, don't you think that uh, people who uh, I haven't experienced are going to believe what they believe despite... Uh, whatever you tell them, they're going to take what they want to believe. If they're going to take a psychic's word, they, they might take that over you, even though you have no evidence of it. But if that's what they want to believe, that's their mindset. So you, you know, in, in reality, a lot of these hauntings are really created by the people who um, live there. Uh, their 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 experiences are creating the haunting, and and I don't mean they're making this up. I mean their, their energy, their their uh, reality is actually.
2: Exactly. It's, it's like I like just hit on auto-suggestion. So once they get that suggestion implanted, obviously it's hard to shake them because you know they actually think that the person who's actually gone into their house is picking up on these things, even though there's no such proof. So we have come across cases, and you know some of the cases, are, are, like you say, are very, very hard to actually turn around to them and say, look, it's what you've been told think carefully about what happened when you had that group in your house what proof did they actually show you so once you start getting them to think about the proof and saying well what sort of evidence did i actually show you that uh, that existed and when i say well it didn't i'll say well there's the argument for a start-off you you haven't got proof all you've got is somebody say so
1: well don't you don't you think we're confusing the two words proof and evidence i mean we can we can't prove the
2: paranormal but we've certainly... oh right, yeah yeah i'm i'm just saying the evidence for obviously let's go for the evidence and so you can't actually they can't actually see any physical evidence of mm-hmm. what the you know these portals that they're claiming are in the middle of the bedroom or whatever mm-hmm. you know you, you you can't actually prove uh, well you haven't got evidential fact that the portal actually exists you know when when i've gone and seen the pla you know places and you know living quarters I've not actually experienced anything and not felt any different. But because they've had people in saying, well, I feel, you know, members of the team who go along with it and go, yeah, well, I'm feeling sick and everything. This just scares people, um, you know, I, I, beyond I asked, belief.
1: If, if you can't find the, the proof from the, the medium, I, do you find any evidence at all when you do investigating or, or is it just more debunking?
2: Um, Well, basically, I mean, majority of it I've actually debunked. I mean, I'm not saying that, um, like I say, Ron, don't get me wrong. There have been occasions where something's actually thrown me and and my group and we've we've not been able to actually sort of like recreate it or actually put a finger on what's actually caused that. But what I wouldn't do, and I never do this, is actually tell tell, um, the occupant if they're really, really scared what we've actually found or what's gone on because... Even if you find something that's unexplainable, that can actually turn person, you know, fear, fear levels up, hundred percent fold, you know. And once that starts, you, you, it's sort of like it's a knock-on effect. Once they hear that, they sort of think, "Oh, there is something going on," even though we've said something's happened, but we haven't got the proof. People still, you know, think things are going on. Even if you say it to people who are not even, you know, scared by the, you know, by the word, you know spirit ghost or whatever or whatever they've witnessed even though they turn around and say well i can live with it if you actually tell them that then you can see the face change and they're thinking "All oh, right, right okay so you know you have to you have to sort of like word it carefully to say you know what your findings are so you have to be very very careful in situations especially when it's a sensitive one where you know you know if you've got a young family in there for instance they've got children you've just got to be very careful so i
1: uh, uh, I'm kind of a little bit confused. Uh, In your group, do you just do investigating? I mean, do you investigate places where nobody else has ever gone in? Uh, Do you do any of that, or are you just going in after some other group has been in and either trying to debunk them or trying to, well, I guess debunk them from what you're saying. Well,
2: no, we've uh, like I say, we've had um, private homes and everything like that to um, investigate. Run and like I say, most people who've actually contacted us who wanted a genuine investigation are not even scared by it you know they've actually I've actually spoken to them and they say well not really scared by it but do you, do you think I can get, we can get an answer and I turn around and say well you can't re-, I said unless we got you know all that anecdotal evidence to prove what's going on I said you can't you can't actually say something is going on I said we might actually experience something we can't explain and we can't recreate then that just has to remain as uh, an unexplained occurrence. I said, so you know we can say, well, you know we've witnessed something, but at the mo at this moment in time, we can't actually explain what it is. But saying that, we we may be able to after further investigations. Okay. So I, I
1: hear the tunes, which means we've got to take a break right now. Uh, you're listening to Ghost Chronicles International on net Perex Ghost Channel Beyond with uh, Mr. Parascience Steve Parson, New England's own band Helsinki, and our special guest Mark T from Midland Paranormal is that correct?
0: Welcome to Talking Net Radio with a cutting edge. Everything you heard about witches is true. Halloween is the time of year when the shades of the dead whisper from forgotten places and spirits walk among us. The witches of Salem, Massachusetts, (coughs) honor this time with Festival of the Dead, an annual event series that explores death's macabre customs, heretical histories, and strange rituals. Founded by Salem witches, Sean Porter, and Christian Day, and hosted by the foremost authorities on the spirit world, Festival of the Dead beckons guests who step through the veil into a mysterious realm where spirits await you. To learn more or to purchase tickets, visit festivalofthedead.com
1: or call 978-740-9783. Happy Halloween! <laughs>
2: Call us at 978-474-8010 or check us out on the web at www.circlesofwisdom.com Lots to
1: see and do in a feel-good place an oasis in this hectic world.
2: The creepy and the kooky Mysterious and spooky They all talk oddly gooky The X family The shows are paranormal not stuffy, but informal The topics are
1: abnormal. The Parrax family—they're
0: strange, deranged, unrestrained. So grab your favorite rule. It's time to rendezvous as we give
2: awards to the Parrax family. Take six thousand four hundred twenty-seven.
1: All right. Hi, I'm Ron Kolek, author and lead investigator of the New England Ghost Project, New England's own Van Helsink.
0: And I'm Ann Kerrigan, the blonde bombshell, and I'm the lead investigator of East Bridgewater's haunted.
1: And we'd like to invite you to tune in
0: Ghost Chronicles, The Next Generation, every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on www.toginet.com.
1: So, so Ann, are, what are they going to hear on this stupid show?
0: What are they going to hear? They are going to hear things that they can't believe are happening.
1: Like uh, beyond bizarre,
0: and cemetery tripping.
1: Oh, that's your deal, right?
0: Absolutely.
1: Yeah, one of these days you're gonna get uh, so scared of one of these cemetery tripping things that uh, you'll I'll have to get a new co-host.
0: <laughs> I am brave beyond belief. Nothing yeah, we'll see. Scares me.
1: So, anyways, if you're bored and you got nothing to do on Wednesday night, tune in to Ghost Chronicles: Next Generation with Anne and Ron.
2: See you then.
0: And the sound of Ron's beating heart means that we're obviously back live. You're listening to Ghost Chronicles International on Togginet, Para X, the Ghost Channel, and maybe even on a podcast. But having listened to the trailers that we've just gone through, it's uh, I think it just reminded me that it's your other co-host's uh, birthday, isn't it, to the Brave Beyond Belief and Carrigan. Uh, I wouldn't know. Well, I guess. Well, happy birthday, Anne, from the both go. of us. Not listening. What do you care? Well, she can listen to the podcast anyway. Um, was, as I said, was, I'm
1: speaking with uh, Mark Cave from, uh, is it Midland yeah, Paranormal?
2: Do... Yeah, Midland well, Paranormal Investigation. Mm-mm. <laughs>
1: So uh, welcome, Mark, and uh, we we had some interesting stuff. But you know, we always uh, we always like to mention uh, Steve's favorite subject on the show, and that would of course be orbs. Don't
0: don't. oh yeah.
1: <laughs> I'm sorry, Steve, that I, I hear something. Oh uh, well,
0: well, you know. Whilst you were talking over me, I think I think you said the word orbs. Did I really? Oh, I must have slipped out. I'm sorry. And anyways, <laughs> oh, well, it's done now. It's done uh,
1: now. So I mean, you, you've been, uh, Mark, you've been working in the paranormal for quite a while now. I mean, what, are, what is your take on some of the the stuff that's involved? Some of the equipment, for instance. Let's we won't go that route, all right, Steve? Uh, some of the equipment that that uh, some of these ghost groups are using. Uh, what what equipment do you find useful? What uh, what equipment do you find pants?
2: Well, I, I think most of it. I mean. Um... When you talk about EMF meters and stuff like that, I mean I find them useful. They're great environmental monitors. To be to be honest, run I actually use them to you know monitor situations within the actual building that's um, you know we're actually investigating just to make sure there's no you know no massive EMF spikes that could cause people to hallucinate and that sort of thing. So I do find EMF meters are you know valuable for. Sort of like monitoring. Same again with thermometers. It's it's great to use a thermometer, and it's it's a bit weird with this one because we have we've actually got data logging uh, thermometers now, which you can actually date. You know, they sort of like log every sort of like five thousandths of a second or something like. That. It's really you know really quick logging, and it's fascinating. You know, we've had investigators say, well, the felt cold, and you know, there seemed to be a drop in te- room temperature. But when we've actually analysed everything we've actually captured, there's nothing actually changed. You know, there's been a steady, obviously, if you're if you if you're working late into the morning, obviously you get a steady decrease in temperature. But I've never seen anything that's really sort of like caught my attention-wise when I've gone, okay, that's a bit of a spike there. That's, that's unusual. So I do find thermometers useful, especially when people say they're starting to feel cold because nine times out of ten when we check them, there's nothing on there. You know, it's actually saying you know, everything's normal. There's nothing so, I mean, actually.
1: Let's, let's, let's do a scenario. Uh, a couple of team, uh, two team members are in a room. Uh, one of them is in the corner and they feel, uh, a cold spot. So yes. w- what do you do? What uh, do they have a data log with them or is it? Yes, data-
2: they do. Yeah. So th- to be honest, they can actually move them. They know where the sensor is. I'll tell them whatever you do, don't put your hand by that sensor because it'll pick up the, you know, your body heat straight away. So, they know where to pick these things up and actually place it where they feel, feel it's gone cold. So we just leave it there as long as we can just to see what, what we can actually pick up. So I'll get the investigators then to put it where the cold spot is and move away. So that way then they're not having an effect on, on the thermometer as it's data logging. So, um, you know, that's, that's I, how we I, use it.
1: T- aren't you taking a human, human uh, factor out of it?
2: Yeah, yeah. That again. You've you've got to take that human factor out of it. And like I say, we've when we've downloaded the actual graphs, it, it's amazing. You know, it, where, even when they've said there's been a cold spot, we've looked at the graphs and humidity, relative humidity, and temperature. And there's it's it's just normal run. You know, there's nothing there that's actually said to me that oh yeah, there has been a drastic temperature. You know, temperature change or humidity change in the room that's actually caused. You know, that sensation. Perhaps it's something. You know, perhaps the, the actual thermometers we're actually using aren't the right, correct type. Perhaps there's something we don't we actually feel that we can't measure. I don't know. It's it's a bit of a weird one, but everything seems to come back so far as you know level recordings. It doesn't actually spike, which is uh, amazing. Like you know, because obviously we've been investigating so long, we've had investigators and come back and say it was a cold spot, in there. and then when we downloaded it, we showed them the graph off there. Data I know absolutely amazed there's not been a, a temperature drop. Again, it could be the fact that, you know, if you're early hours of the morning, you start to feel tired. And when you're tired, your temperature drops, your body temperature drops anyway. So it could be just a natural process of your temperature dropping. But, you know, I've never found anything untowards with, um, like I say, with temperature drops with thermometers. Sure. Um, I-
1: I know that Steve is, and his team at Parascience has has used uh, data logs for quite a while. So, Steve, is, is, do you do the same thing? I, I actually thought that you guys were. Uh,
0: <clears throat> well, we don't move the data loggers because they're preset before the investigation commences. But in, in, in regard to what Mark said uh, about the lack of data sometimes, from equipment you know to support people's subjective experiences i would suggest that there's another possibility that we're just rubbish ghost hunters because if you look <laughs> on the internet week in week out you've got all of these groups who are getting amazing results and you know uh, our poor groups seem to go out week after week and uh, clearly we're not getting very much at all but do you know what um in actual fact slightly different to Mark's group uh, and as we've spoken about before Parasites has got anomalous temperature recordings uh, recorded under as best a controlled condition as is possible to obtain in uh, you know, somebody's property um, and they have been reported by paranormal psychical researchers right the way back to the start of the 20th century when some researchers from uh, the Society for Psychical Research and from other research institutes um, and including, you know, his name's going to come up at some point during tonight's uh, show, Harry Price, they all <laughs> recorded within seance rooms and within haunted locations, real uh, anomaly anomalies within the temperature. Uh, mostly temperature changes down, but... But also uh, increase temperature changes as well, so they do happen. They are incredibly rare, but they are documented. And as I've said many, many times, um, if there's one thing that I would recommend any paranormal group to go out and invest heavily in, and that's temperature recording and logging equipment. Uh,
1: uh, the other thing I I'm, I'm, I understand why they make people move out, yeah. but in in a way I, I don't because it's like you know watching these shows that are on TV. Uh, you know the the people that see the ghosts in the, in the haunted locations they remove them from the locations, so you 're taking out that human factor if there isn 't at the play it 's gone. so if you take the human factor out of if someone 's feeling a cold spot and you remove them and just put the sensor there, then you 're once again removing that human factor uh, i don 't know how it would play in in collecting true data.
0: Well, um, just to correct a, a possible misapprehension, I don't think either Mark's group or or, or our group uh, actually remove the people. Um, no, we don't. We leave that. the people very. We leave the people very much where they were. What yeah. I actually said is that the thermometers are placed in advance of the investigation. Commencing. You said that, but Mark re- says
1: he says if he feels a cold spot, they go over, they put the, the tag down,
0: that and the goes two, two different ways of two perfectly different. Well, that's just two different ways of, of um, you know, two different methodologies. Both of which are are perfectly reasonable. If marks, I was going to say, it, there's no reason why why you can't relocate the thermometers. It's just that we choose not to. Um, maybe it's because we're fortunate and have more, um, and so the area is pretty well covered uh, in our in our opinion. Um, but there's no there's no problem with with mark's method of moving the thermometers and as you heard mark say he's documenting that move that movement and they are aware of the associated problems of handling the thermometers. so it's all good i was going to say i think
2: it's down to our budget at the moment because obviously we've only got you know limited finances so we spend it where we can and we spend it wisely because again you know um we always take advice on what equipment to get. So we budget for that sort of thing. And because we, I mean, if we not being funny, I've seen the the equipment that Parascience had when we, when we first started out and God, dear blew my mind. And I can just imagine what they've got now. So, you know, they're far more advanced than what we are. I can tell you that.
0: Actually, actually, (laughs) Mark, actually when I was over, when I was over, um, a month or so ago with Ron, um, because Ron has an office, and we, we went and we peeped around into the storeroom of his office, and he has an absolute arsenal. He opened up one particular flight case, and, do you know, we couldn't actually count the amount of cell sensor EMF meters that were in it. Yeah. Um, we lost count. I think it, it was because it, you know, it passed well into double figures, and beyond that point, we, we, well, I think, actually, we gave up caring. LAUGHTER
2: I was going to say, you know, I mean, we we sort of like like I say, we were on a budget because obviously we're self funding, so we're going to have to start getting out there and raising some funds. I think, I guess, you know, get our arsenal back and and get it up so we don't have to move stuff around. Which, you know, ideally, that's what we should be doing because that was one of the protocols, and we never do that with EMF meters either. Um, We have one where you know we have got enough EMF meters, luckily, um, that we can actually uh, we use a tri field. uh, the rs trifield meters the ones from 30 to 2 on 2000 hertz and what we what we actually do is actually set them up um accordingly leave one stationary and we've got enough for handheld juice as well so they can actually go around and check you know electrical appliances just to make sure there's nothing else towards, you know just leave it there and just keep it logging just to make sure that um You know, there's nothing coming off that at all, or there's nothing high enough to cause us an alarm to say, right, we need to get our investigators out. I mean, I've read Steve's report off his uh, Parascience website, and the one that strikes me uh, where an EMF meter came into good use was when you actually did that farm in Cheshire, was it, Steve? Yeah, yeah,
0: that's right, the Cheshire Farmhouse. Yeah, that was was more from a health issue than than a paranormal issue. Exactly, um, because they'd had a you know, there was a seriously uh, defective main sub, uh, electrical supply cable that was um, detectable by the electromagnetic field that it was it was emitting. And once we worked, we actually worked with Bristol University to resolve that case and approached the uh, electrical supply company who rectified the problem, um, but that was purely, as I say, from a health benefit. Points of view, um, health and welfare benefit, rather than a paranormal one. But it was interesting. All this talk of equipment tonight made me realise that uh, over the course of this week, I've been sort of clearing out my much smaller office, Ron, um, <laughs> and going through all, <laughs> and going through some of the uh, equipment, um, and realised that. If you go back to when Mark, uh, Mark and I first met ten years ago, we've got around about seventy percent less equipment now. Uh, to talk about EMF meters, for example, within the entirety of Parascience, there are two. Wow. Um, that's all. That's all we have. Two EMF meters uh, within the whole of Parascience. We we carry an awful lot less equipment nowadays. Um, we've we've gone from you know literally. A car full of flight cases uh, 10, 12 years ago, down to a couple of suitcases and maybe a rucksack. And most of that's full of sandwiches.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, Steve, don't you use data logging uh, EMFs?
0: Uh Yes, both the two EMF yeah. meters that we have um, are both industry-standard EMF meters, costing around about three thousand pound each. Um, <laughs> I, I, which is why we've only got two. Um, and I'm, I'm not blowing my own trumpet. It's because uh, this, they give us some additional um, crucial information about the electromagnetic fields. It doesn't just tell us the amplitude of the electromagnetic field. It tells us the frequency of the electromagnetic yeah. field, and once we know the frequency, we pretty well know the cause because there is, uh, the electromagnetic spectrum. Um, yes. In the first world, America, uh, here in the UK, throughout Europe, is so well regulated and so well governed um, that you know you can quickly punch the frequency into the internet, and you can you can get within uh, you know a minute the source. Um, of, of, the, of the transmission. So having that frequency specific information is absolutely crucial these days um, which is why we invested uh, in, in these two particular meters and once we had these two meters of course everything else was effectively redundant and we will pop them on eBay. Here you go. <laughs>
1: Here you go. You know, it's it's interesting. You, you talk about the cell senses and, and the ghost meters and those things. And I, I know you don't give much credence in for obvious reasons. reasons uh, but I've seen them used in different ways that uh, they're evidential, I think, in, in what they do. Uh, for instance, I know that Tom D'Agostino, uh, he, he's a gentleman, a ghost investigator from Connecticut. And... He has video of um, a room and uh, they have the camera there. They place an EMF meter on the bed, a cell cell sensor, and um, they went off. And you can actually see him going away to the barn out the window through the camera. Well, while they're gone, all of a sudden the EMF meter goes off and the camera begins to move. And... uh, as long as it's moving, the EMF meter goes off and then everything just stops. So, I mean, it's interesting. I, I understand w- w- why you don't like the cell sensors, but if you use it for that type of a thing, if you believe that there is a disturbance in any uh, or high EMF when, when spirits appear and you get a, a causal relationship
0: like that, uh, you know, it's it's not a bad thing, really. Do you? Or couldn't it just more... So? How was the camera... When you say the camera moved, how was how, you know, the camera well, set up? Well, as
1: obviously, it, as it was... You could actually hear
0: it. No, I mean, when you say move, I mean, was it just on a simple tripod or on an electrical mount or...
1: It was on a tripod.
0: The tripod... Well, the tripod moved and the... Well, how did the EMF meter stay in frame if the camera was being turned on the tripod?
1: Because it was it was the uh, a, a wide shot of the room. Ah, right. Okay, I'm with you. And the, and the, well, and the EMF meter was was actually on the bed, so that's why, why it caught it. So you, you well, had things going on. I mean, I, now, is, is it proof? Yeah. Of course not. We know there's no proof. Um, but, I mean, that, that's interesting evidence, as I would say.
0: It, it's, it's interesting, but whether it's evidential, you see, the problem with that, and it's a problem that all paranormal teams face, is mm-hmm. that, that That is an interesting piece of video footage and possibly suggestive of an anomaly taking place. <clears throat> However, because the evidence is incomplete, because you don't have a full panoramic view uh, of the room, there could you could argue, or a sceptic could argue, that there was somebody else behind the camera moving the camera. And blipping a radio or blipping a cell phone in order to make the AMF meter move. Now, I'm not saying that's what took place, but there is the problem with that sort of evidence being presented no, it's because it's open. To, it's, who, a, it's open to criticism.
1: It's only yeah. it's only a problem to somebody who's totally skeptical. Uh,
0: no, 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 no. It's a problem to a scientific, to an objective researcher because oh, right, because you know, well, you know how difficult it is to do no, uh, yeah, but that doesn't mean – No, I, yes, well, of course I know how difficult it is to do, but that doesn't mean to say it can't, you, you can't do it better. And one of the things that we're always striving to do is to do it better, is, to, is we actually consider the problem. When we're, when we're looking to gather evidence, we consider a single camera – Um, in that situation is not reliable what can we do to improve that situation well the obvious answer is to put a second camera facing the first camera so that you've got better coverage and that that so it's not a skeptical perspective and i think every investigator needs to consider the evidence that they're collecting in that way putting a camera in a room Okay, you get lots of nice pictures, you make, I get lots of nice video, and stuff might happen. But as evidence, it's not very good. It certainly wouldn't stand up to scrutiny, because you can't definitely... As an example, somebody presents you with a sound recording of some awesome footsteps in an apparently empty building, mm-hmm. but you've only got their word to say that the building's empty. The sound mm-hmm. recording won't show you that the building's empty, so evidentially, it's very flawed indeed.
2: Yeah. I agree with you there, Steve. You've got to cover all the angles, because if not, you're just open to, you know, all sorts of, uh, you know, claims of, oh, hang on, a minute, you've actually faked this because you haven't got the uh, circumstantial evidence to back it up.
1: The the problem is you're always going to have that no matter what you get. I mean, if you look. No, 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 Ron. The stuff that Steve showed me as evidence, I can certainly say, okay, well, that's. You know that's what he thinks is evidence to me, but I could very well be duped. You know, uh, his his ethereal music certainly could have or a child, children speak playing, uh, but that's the way people are. They're always going to look at it skeptically. So I mean, there is well, a actually
0: point- in terms of in terms of the evidence presented on the Parascience website, you'll find very little because very little of it we think would stand up to that objective scrutiny because it's flawed and if you read the full report you will see that we acknowledge all of the flaws um, when we present any investigation report however what you only what you see on the website is a snapshot of the entire picture and if you did read the report that relates to that 12 minute incident Mm -hmm. um, we do have the file uh, and all of the original recordings to back up uh, plus all of the witness testimony um, and all of the subsequent uh, experiments that took place over the forthcoming uh, days and weeks. Mm-hmm. So we can dem- We can demonstrate. Um... But you can't one hundred percent prove that. that no, that... We can't, I didn't say. I didn't. We, you will find no word of a cl- no claim of it being paranormal well, either. I mean, that's what but we. I did... can demonstrate. I can it... demonstrate sound methodology being used to try and explain what took place.
1: So, and I fail. Mean, is it a degree? Is it a degree of, of, uh, you know, evidence? I mean, uh, it's a
0: point. And you no. no, I don't think it is. I, I, no, I don't think it is. I think you have to strive to obtain the best evidence that you can from a given set so of circumstances. Let's ask
1: Mark. Let's ask Mark. Uh, Mark, what, what is the best piece of evidence you've collected?
2: The best piece of evidence I actually collected, I actually caught on um, a voice recorder that I actually set on the table mm-hmm. while I was actually in a different room. Now, the the place concerned was an old coaching inn, and it had a very very stiff door to actually um, get into this place, and it had a very snappy hydraulic hinge on it. So, if you let go of this door, this thing just slammed. The simple reason is because the front of the building actually was open and. It doesn't matter where you, what time of year it was. The wind was chronic, and it just literally blew, blew in and opened the doors. So, what we did, I just put it, put a voice recorder down, and there was four of us actually sitting in a separate room, totally different from that, and we actually heard the hydraulic hinge on the door move and. We heard it, I heard it slam, and somebody actually was... One of the people that actually worked there was with us, and she'd seen the door open because she'd got view of it through the bar, and she actually mm. seen the door open, and she was expecting one of my investigators to come in, and my investigators were actually elsewhere in the building. They were upstairs, so there was, nowhere, there was only us downstairs, so there was nobody else around, and we picked, up, picked it all up. But like I say, when I play that to people, and Steve knows where I'm coming from on this one, they just turn around and say, yeah, but couldn't that have been any one of your, you know, wasn't that sort of like fabricated?
1: Exactly. So that's what we run into when we do this. It, it's, yeah, it, yeah, but everybody... this,
0: that doesn't mean to say that we should stop trying to do it properly or no, do it better. I,
1: I agree. The, the more, that was, by the way, that was the doorbell that means the pizza from the dead is here. So we've got about two minutes left in the show. So, yeah, that's the problem we deal with. And, yes, you should always strive to get the best evidence you can. Uh, to do the best procedure and protocols, but the best is never going to be good enough, not for what we do. It's as simple as that.
0: If we don't keep trying, we're never going to improve it. And I think that in certain circumstances, I think that there are investigations now uh, where some of the variables are now being measured to an acceptable, proper standard.
1: Okay. So, anyways, uh, we do have to wrap it up, and and I want to thank Mike for coming in from Midland Paranormal, Mike. Thank you so much. Uh, you know, we got to ask these questions because people want to know. I mean, we have all people lip- listening from all points of view, so it's 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 good to hear. And and if your position is strong, it only gets stronger if someone challenges it. But anyways, Mike, um, could you give out your website again, please?
2: Yeah, my website is www. Midland Paranormal, all one word. dot org o r g dot uk. Thank you, Mark. Anything Thank you you, very uh,
1: much. we'd like to add before uh, we say goodbye?
2: Yeah, I, do. I just think we had a, a fantastic conversation, and it was like I say, there's a few things I could actually we could have actually took on from that. And because, like I say, I do agree we do sometimes um, run that when you do get evidence, it's hard to post it because everybody just shoots it down. And like Steve said, if we don't try, we're never going to get the results. So it's, it's, a, it's a no-win situation, but you've got to keep going until you get that win situation.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, Mark, I want to thank you so much for being on the show, um, and good luck and uh, happy hunting. And who knows, you may get that perfect piece of evidence that maybe someone will believe somewhere.
2: Fingers crossed, right? and can I, crossed. Say, crossed. can I just say thank you to you and Steve as well for having me on the show?
0: pleasure uh, thank you I, I thank you for those few complimentary words Mark <laughs> <laughs> the one you yeah as I said the checks in the post
1: <laughs> thanks all man. right so uh, from Ghost Chronicles International it's time to say good night and God bless everyone and tune in next week when we will have someone else I'm sure
0: good night God bless bye